Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar and co-host Johnny D. And welcome to another edition of the What is Truth radio show. Here we are in a brand new year, 2024. Amazing. I remember, I'm older, I don't know how about you listeners out there, I remember when it turned 2000, it was such a big deal to us, uh, those of us born in the 1950s, and we remember the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey, and here we are a couple of decades in to this new millennium, and I'm always amazed as every new year rolls by, partly because I watch what's happening to the world around me, and I read the Bible in front of me, and I see that God made a promise to his son that he would send him back the second time. I always thought it was going to happen back around 2000. It hasn't happened yet. You begin to think it's going to go on forever, but it looks to me like it's going to be pretty soon, folks. So Amen. we're excited Amen. to do our studies here. I hear we more, have people, been, more people are talking about that all the time. Really? That the Lord seems like he's got to come back soon. The way the world's going, it's got to, it's got to be coming. Spiraling out of control. I was just Today, listening, I mean, nations begin to break down and fall. I mean, the United States has been breaking down from the inside for a long time as the families have come apart. And, you know, men having babies and then not raising them, moving in another part of the city and leaving the woman alone without a father in the house. Right. And as the family breaks down, of course, that's the building block of the nation that breaks down. But not only that, now we're getting attacked from the outside, people coming in at record rates. Somebody right. was saying today that uh, when the last two presidents were in, that would be Obama and Trump, uh, about a million people came across the border in their terms. Eight to nine million have come up across the border in the last three years with this guy in office. Wow. I mean, they're just flooding the gates. 300,000 plus came in just last month alone. It's uh, And they're all heading for New York to get benefits? Uh, I guess they're heading anywhere they can. To get benefits. I, I yeah. hope these people can work. I hope these people aren't dangerous people. Right. There are women and children in this nation. You want to protect them. Absolutely. So you're just watching. Things are falling apart. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. You see, um, as you mentioned, the... Uh, they're trying to break down the nuclear and the traditional family the way that God had ordered it. Correct. And, and and leave it up to the devil, and he's the counterfeit of of what Christ would do. And, and yes. Christ had made man and woman that the two would become one, and that yes. they would become one flesh and have children. They would be fruitful, and that they would multiply. Amen. And now you said, and men are having babies, and... And leaving, well, this world is so crazy that they think that men can actually have babies these days. And, and they can't. You show me a man that has ovaries. You know, yeah. We can show you some eunuchs out there. You know, that's about it. They it's can't define a man world. or a woman. Yeah, and it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus said in the last days in the book of Luke, we perplexity of nations. There's People are perplexed. The thoughts and the crazy notions are perplexed. Well, here we are in the Acts of the Apostles. And we're looking at the beginning of the church and Paul uh, giving in Acts chapter 20 is giving a great uh, sermon. I guess you'd call it a speech, but it's more like a sermon to the elders in the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 around uh, verse 17. 
From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus. He called the elders of the church. They all came to him, and he begins to tell them, you know, from the first day I came to Asia, Paul says, what manner I've been with you. Verse 19, I've been serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Verse 20, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Now, our first thought is going to be monetary profit, but he's thinking spiritual profit. Well, he mentions taught yes. right in the same verse, and I have taught you publicly from house to house. He He's saying that the teaching of the scriptures was profitable. That's right. Amen. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, so the Romans, the Gentiles, everybody, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, I was never good at dancing because I was a piano player. So we don't dance. We, we sit at the piano. But when you, you have to put one step in front of the other, you have to take two steps, uh, you know, to do a particular dance. Well, the first step is repentance toward God. Turn to God. Amen. That's one of the big, you were talking about uh, a discussion you had today with somebody yeah. and you were talking about religion with them. And they were talking, well, the, well, a scholar said this, and I found this quote over here, and I read this thing, you know, turning to the words of men. And in my, I always encourage people, have you turned to God? Have you gotten down on your knees Amen. and asked God? God is real. God wants you to know the truth, probably more than you do. If you ask him, he said, ask and you'll receive. I'll show you. Repentance toward God, turning to God. God gives, Amen. he gives that uh, call throughout the Bible, you know, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Yeah. But he says, ask and seek and knock, right? And he'll reward you for those things. Sure. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I mean, this verse right here, I always think of it, you had mentioned long ago, it's like 2020 vision with your glasses. Yep. <laughs> here we are in Acts 2020. One more verse, verse 21. This is the definition of repentance. I mean, if I ask the average person today on the street, how, what is repentance? You get all kinds of answers, sure, all kinds. Sure. But here is the real answer. It's repentance toward God, turning towards God, seeking him, yeah. and then putting your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the curious thing is, I think if you turn to God, he will help guide your faith toward his son, Jesus Christ. Yes. For me personally, testimony. Okay, I, I grew up in America, the 60s, late 50s, uh, early 60s. The American dream is still strong. Kennedy, a president, talking about building a better nation, talking about building better families. Things kind of spiraled out of control later on in the 70s. But So I've got this dream inside of me. I want to do fine. And uh, I'm not thinking spiritual things. I'm thinking of... Okay, I'm going to get married one day. I want to get a house. I want to get a job. I'm doing all this. Okay, so I had a grandma and grandpa, a mom and dad. They took me to their traditional church. Could be Lutheran, could be Episcopal, could be whatever. Yeah. You go to that traditional church. At the church, they got the traditions. Traditions, it didn't say repentance toward tradition. No. It said repentance toward God. So they have turned to traditions, and after a while, your heart gets the feeling like this this isn't real here. So I drift out of the church at 17 years old. I get back onto track trying to build my life for my future. Uh, 17 through 27 through 37, 20 hard years of labor at various jobs, in college, in medical school, at hospitals. Now I'm finally settled, so to speak, 
I have all the physical material things, but something's empty. Somebody uh, tells me about, you know, there is a God. I'm going, is there really a God? I went to that church 20 years ago. There was nothing there. So one day after surgery at one o'clock in the morning, I pulled into the parking lot of a little church where my wife was attending. Nobody was there. I just walked around the parking lot, looked up, and I said, are you really there? I was turning to God at that moment. That's what I was doing. I didn't know. Are you really there? And what God did is in the next four months got me into a Bible study where they were teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospel of John, and I got saved. And I think that's what God will do. If you turn to God, he'll turn you to his son. He knows that's the only way. Michael, what do you think? Well, I I think it's interesting that... Here you have Paul. Now he's doing a rerun. We're in Acts 20 of what happened to him. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that we do have Paul telling the story here because at the end of Acts 7, yeah. Stephen is stoned. Yeah. And, and Paul witnesses and that. Paul witnesses it. Yeah. But Paul has been witnessing everything. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he's been witnessing. There's no way he wasn't witnessing Christ. Is Christ? Oh, he probably heard him. Yep, and yep, the apostles yeah. preaching, and yep, and, and yeah. as the apostles were building the church, and Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Like he he lived by for God. He would kill for God. You know, he, if, sure. if you said Jesus was the Christ, that's blasphemy in his mind by yeah, death. Right in his mind, he and, had zeal. <clears throat> Lots of zeal. And you, you have at seven chapter 7, verse 60, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud, This is Stephen. And the Lord uh, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he passed on. And chapter 8, this is so Stephen passes on. And yep. in chapter 8, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad through the Regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into the house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Uh, Therefore, uh, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So here's Paul breaking up the church, persecuting the church. He gets, you know, a decree from the head synagogue to go out and to continue doing this work. And that's what he does. And then on his way to do the work, on the road to Damascus, you know, so chapter 9, verse 1, and Paul yet breathing not threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they have men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He's going to arrest them. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. going to arrest them. He's going to have them brought up before the court. On and he's charges. Have them yeah. charged and persecuted. And yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him about a light from heaven. The glory of the Lord is what shined upon him. And verse 4, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why thou persecutest me? He knew who this was. How do do you know he knew who this was? In verse 5, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said, what wilt thou have me do? So he says to Christ, what wilt thou have me do? He says, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So he goes and in verse 10, he's in Damascus. Uh, in verse 10, Jesus now reaches to out to Ananias, yes. who yeah. is a disciple of the Lord. And he tells Ananias in verse 11, arise, go into the street, which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas, 
uh, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And verse 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. So he tells Ananias to go and tell Paul, this is what I, the Lord Jesus commands of you to do. Now you must suffer things for my namesake. Yeah, huh. And in at verse 13, so Paul right here is, is transformed. He met Christ. He was persecuting the church. Now he's repented towards God. Yes. And he's now preaching like he says, in, and he's put uh, his faith in Jesus. He's put his faith in Jesus, and now he's he's preaching the word of the of, of the Lord, and he's preaching uh, faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And in and in Acts thirteen, you see him doing the same thing that Stephen was persecuted for <laughs> in chapter seven. <laughs> You're right. So <laughs> you know, Paul consented to Stephen's death when he was sitting there charging the nation of Israel with being stiff-necked. And yes. how God had laid it out that the one to come, the prophet greater than Moses to come, was going to be Christ. And here Paul had him put to death. And now Paul is in 13 preaching in the synagogues to the nation of Israel the same thing. Amen. And it just goes to show you how the Lord can change somebody's life. Amen. That's called repentance. Amen. Here Paul's living one way and he totally turns and goes the other way. And it's similar in my life. Amen. You Amen. know how I was living totally rebellious to the Lord. And I had, and you know, to say, make a long story short, I ended up in jail and, but the Lord changed my heart in there. And I Amen. know it was the Lord and I repented. I was going one direction. Then all of a sudden I'm on my knees Praying to the Lord, because anytime you're in the presence of the Lord and you see it through the whole Bible, whether it's uh, the the prophets or the priests, when you come into the presence of the Lord, they're on their face. Yeah, they're on their belly. Yeah, sure, sure. You, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And, you know, it brings it back to my testimony and, and how... The Lord changed my life, and now I'm out preaching Christ. Amen. And people are like, well, who's this guy? Because <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. But you is. had to take that first step, right? Correct. And you just showed from the Bible how Paul, which used to be called Saul, yep. you know, he was persecuting the church. He was going after people, arresting people. And, and with all that, you get to chapter 9, and he meets Jesus, and he says, Who art thou, Lord? What wilt thou have me to do? And it's a changed life. Right. Amen. And we can all sit here and say that we've had a changed life. You got to take that first step of repentance toward God, now, which is just what you were saying. Now, going back to the commonality of it, which is interesting. And you took up Paul's life, which is displayed for us in the scriptures. He was persecuting that which God wanted to do. He was, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What are you saying? What are you, Paul had been persecuting the church. And they hadn't been believing what the church was preaching. The church was preaching what Paul's now preaching in Acts 13. Amen. Stephen was preaching what Paul's now preaching in Acts 20. I mean, why? Because the truth doesn't change. The truth Amen. is the truth. There is Amen. only one truth. Amen. And yet he was against that truth as were we all sitting here at this table right. before yeah. we made that turn in repentance toward God. I was against the truth. I might not have been killing church members, but I might have been denying the very things they were saying. Uh, yeah. Someone telling me, I remember when I was in pre-med, I had another student uh, going, like, trying to remember his name. His name was Michael, now that I remember. He was a, a young man, uh, an African-American man, studying in pre-med with me. And uh, we were studying for biology. And he told me, I, I can't, I said, we're going to study uh, Saturday night. We'll study Sunday because the test is Monday. He said, I can't study with you Sunday. And I said, why not? He said, I have to go to church. 
And by this point, I'm in my 20s and I've given up on the Roman Catholic Church. And I, what do you mean? And he was a born again Christian. Amen. He said, I, I'm born again. He said, you have to be born again. And my thought was, come on, who says you got to be born again? You don't need to do that. We got a test coming up Monday. I'm trying to kind of persecute what he's saying. I'm kicking against what he's saying, um, which is what God wanted. Right, God yeah. would have preferred I'd be in church Sunday morning with him rather than studying for a test, right. uh, knowing God's more important. We were all kind of against the truth at Amen. one point in our life. Well, yep. for me, it was mostly that I just didn't see myself as what I truly am. And it wasn't until I heard preaching on the radio and TV that the fact that we're all sinners. Have you lied? Then you're a sinner. Have you stolen? Then you're a sinner. Have you broken God's commandments in any way, shape, or form? Have you cursed God's name ever in your life? Well, then you're a sinner. Yeah. And what are you going to do with that? Something as simple, simple as murmuring. I mean, if you look when God brought Israel out of Egypt, sure. the picture of the world, and he's bringing them into the promised land. Yeah. And, you know, after Moses had come down and thrown the only original that there were, <laughs> yep. down and broke that, yeah, right. you know, you have... Um, Israel down there dancing and having a big party to worship Baal, you know, and And uh, behold, the people complained and murmured and and it displeased the Lord. They complained and murmured. That's where I was getting to. (laughs) Simple as complaining and murmuring. That's a sin. And people overlook that all the time because you turn on the news and you're like, oh man, that guy's a, he's a bad guy, you know. He's yeah. there. All this murder, all this look at these drunkards all over the streets and these drug addicts and the people with vulgar profanity and dirty mouths and filthy talk. And you think that's all that's only that is sin. No, God said complaining and murmuring is Amen. A sin. Amen. And if you've broken them, if you've broken one, you've broken all the commandments. Yeah. And, and once I realized, you know, this is over 20 years ago, but once I realized from listening to preaching, good preaching, that. Bible preaching will convict you that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that we all deserve hell, myself included, and that your sins separate between you and your God. And the only thing that you can do about it is to be born again. Sure. Yeah, turn to God. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, for he bore our sins on the tree, that he would pay the penalty for our sins because we that's something we can't do. We can't pay for our sins. We That's needed right. a sin bearer. We needed a savior. That's why he came. And so Paul says, this is what I've testified to everyone. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will begin to recognize that Jesus Christ is more than a man. He's more than a prophet. He is the Lord God manifest in the flesh. Amen. That's that's and, what Paul did. And on this particular powerful verse right here in verse 21, it's very fitting with the gospel. The gospel message that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that yes. he was he died and was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Yes. That just matches and fits right into this. That's where you put your faith in Amen. the gospel. Yes. Yeah, the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Well, 1 through 4, I like to quote, but sure. it's 3 and 4. Amen. Just, just exactly what you quoted, in simplicity. Amen. And then uh, verse 22, running through this, this uh, sermon that Paul's saying, and he says, verse 22 of Acts 20, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, Yeah. <clears throat> save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, 
so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. It is a graceful gospel. And, and that's the ministry. The simplicity of being in the ministry and being a minister is God wants us to testify of that glorious gospel of the grace of God. It's a gift that we can receive of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. It's not I'm trying to minister uh, sacraments to people. Amen. I'm trying to minister um, baptism or healings or, or, healings or, or, or the Lord's table. What I want to minister is to speak and testify that the grace of God is found in the good news of Jesus Christ and you can receive it by faith. It's a spiritual transaction. That's that's the ministry. The ministry is spiritual Amen. more than Amen. it is physical. Amen. And I mean, I like the first part of, and, and with and if you're going to be a minister, like you said, that's what you have to do. But in order to do that, Paul lays it out right there in the first verse. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Well, how do you do that? How do you finish your course with joy? You have to remove yourself from the picture because what what are we? We're selfish. Yeah, We're sure. prideful. And when things aren't going our own way in life, the way we would want it to go, it's, oh, pity, pity me and right. poor old me. And why is this happening to me? And, and that can make you miserable and it can get your spirit down and it could take away that gospel preaching that you would need to do and take away the joy and take exactly it takes it takes the whole joy out of it i mean go to somebody who doesn't have christ in their life and who who count themselves worthy yeah they're yeah. most miserable well like he said uh that i might neither count i my life dear unto myself in other words my life isn't about me and myself and i anymore my life is now about my lord and my savior Amen. and my god i've now given myself to the lord Amen. That's right which you're in safer hands if you give your life to god than keep it in your own hands That's right Amen. his hands will, he'll always guide you in the right way um well, a lot, a lot of people suffering today with depression and different things, they turn to psychology or psychiatry and they all tell you, well, you're a victim and, you know, it's your parents' fault or somebody else's fault, but it's not your fault because you're just a victim. And they get you self-focused. This verse right here in verse 24, Paul gives you the answer. Sure. Don't be self-focused. I count none of these things. None of these things move sure. me. I'm, I'm God-focused. I've given, I've turned toward God and I've turned toward, look at the words toward in verse 21, two times. First is toward God. The second time is toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Both of my eyes are focused on my Lord and my Savior and my God. That's what I'm focused on. I'm not focused on me anymore. I'm Amen. not looking in a mirror. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, Amen. Verse 25, he says, Paul says, And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Okay. They're not going to see him again. He's bidding them farewell. Yeah. By, by the way, that, that happens in life now here. Paul's on a journey as an evangelist and apostle, and that's a hard life. I mean, I prefer the fact that God has allowed me to be married and have a, a home and a family, and I have a place where I come home every night and sleep. For Paul, Jesus said one day, somebody said, I want to follow you, Jesus. He said, the son of man doesn't know where he's going to lay his head. 
I'm, I'm preaching from town to town. I'm an itinerant preacher. That's what my father sent me to do. One night I'm sleeping in Capernaum. The other night I'm sleeping in Nazareth. Next night I'm down in Judea in the hills. I don't know where I'm going to be. That's a tough life. This is what Paul's doing. Amen. He's following this and he's saying goodbye to these people. But the other thing is sometimes we say goodbye to people when we get older. And we're ready to say our goodbyes, like my dad saying goodbye to us. I'm not going to see you anymore. Uh, You're not going to see me anymore. I know this is going to happen. Uh, But as I'm leaving, Paul's giving his last words to these people. And and that's it's a good thing what he's given them. Well, Uh, it it just reminds me that uh, back in 2019, when my older brother passed away, uh, he Got a chance to hear the gospel. Yes. I think he had a chance to receive the gospel, believe it in his heart, and trust the Lord Jesus Christ and not trust in himself. But he was hanging on, and he was on life support, and they released that, and they gave him some medication to let him pass. Okay. And my sister called me. They were in Virginia. I was out of state. I was up in New York. And when that happened, uh, my sister said, he's just fighting it. He's fighting it, and he won't let go. He doesn't want to just pass quietly. And she goes, I'm putting you on speaker. I think he should hear from you. And so I started telling him things like, you know, first of all, he was in the military. I said, you know, even the military takes a rest and you need to rest in Jesus. I said, I believe that you trust in Jesus. Now is the time where even at this very last moment, you can tell the Lord, just reach out to him in your mind and say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I trust in your blood that you cleanse me with your blood. And I said, as long as you do that, there's a promise in the book of Romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, the Lord Jesus, that thou shalt be saved. Yes. Be saved. It's a for sure thing. And Jesus said in the last book of John, the one right before this, and when we studied this uh, last year, by the way, if you like the old teachings, go to the website, graceandtruthchurch.org and um, hit the sermons tab, hit the YouTube tab. And listen to what is truth. And back when we were doing the Gospel of John, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go and I prepare a place for you. Amen. And when the time comes, you know, for you to die, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And, you know, your brother, a soldier, you could say, remember the words of General MacArthur, old soldiers, you're not going to die. You're just going to fade away from this to the other, the Lord's going to take you into heaven. Amen. And that's the promise that we have in this book. Well, By the I, way, this is the only book that can promise that. And give that kind of comfort. Amen. And that kind of assurance and that kind of a promise. I, I told him, I said, look, the Bible says this is the promise, even everlasting life. Amen. If you trust in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And I said, just trust in that and you can let go. And within four minutes, he passed away. And I never found that promise in the church I went to when I was a young man. No. And uh, no, I don't know I, I don't know the churches you grew up in may have been the same thing with you. Well, so I was I was baptized at four in a Catholic church and then I went to Pente- Pentecostal churches, Wesleyan churches. I didn't grow up in churches, my mom just took us here and there. And then in, as a teenager I went um sporadically to a Pentecostal church, but it didn't happen until um I got saved in, at 25, like Amen. I said, in my jail cell. And and then I went, I started getting myself into a church and then eventually ended up here. And so, so for the listener, just for them to hear, that's a testimony. Yes. There was, you knew as an adult 
There was a time where you did not have that relationship with God, and oh, yeah. then you knew all of a sudden, now I have a relationship with God. Amen. That's right. Because you had repented toward God, you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you became what the Bible will call born again. That's right, born again. First yeah, Peter uh, twenty, First uh, Peter one twenty three. Yeah, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Someone Amen. must have brought you some Bible or That's something. Right. Somebody brought me some <laughs> That's Bible. That's the key. Amen. Amen. And it's <laughs> and and you can be assured that you're saved. You know, in John ten twenty seven, you know, we're called His sheep once we're born again and we're added to the church. We're added to Christ's flock. Amen. We are His flock. Therefore, we are His sheep. And He says, "My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me, and I give unto them eternal life." And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Amen. Amen. Not, we will never be removed from Christ's hand. Nobody could pluck us from his so, hand. So on, in that day, when you made that prayer, that was the day where you could finally say, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I, I, could, I never said that before. Amen. Although I said it, you know, at funerals for my grandpa and all kinds of, we just yeah. kind of read through it, kind of dry Repet and dead. Repetitive. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't mean anything. It wasn't real. Right. Right. But now it's real. That's Amen. right. He's my shepherd. Mark, he's, he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. There we go. Amen. Three for three. And he's, yeah. the, he's the good shepherd. <laughs> he is the good shepherd and he answers prayer. Amen. He answers prayer. Amen. Well, you know, you, you listen to the What is Truth radio show, a 2024 edition. We're studying together in the history book of the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, the history of the New Testament. We're still in the New Testament, but pretty soon the Lord is going to wrap this up and he wants you to be with him. He wants you to repent toward God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stick around for the second half of the show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. What is truth? What is truth? And welcome back to the second half of the What is Truth radio show. Uh, we are here in studio, Dr. Michael Caesar, along with Mark Sassy and Michael Segul. And we're, we'll have all our Bibles open right here to the same page in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 20. And we're reading here in verses uh, 21 how Paul testified repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul realized that he wasn't going to see these people anymore. He was going further on a missionary journey. And he said in verse 24, I want to finish my course with joy. My ministry is to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And then he goes on and he says in verse 26, Mark, how he's telling them this is the manner of my ministry. And it's a great teaching. Amen. So here we are in Paul's sermon, Acts 20, 26. He says, wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I just want to stop there for a second and say, he's saying, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So he didn't leave anything out. He sure. was giving them the whole message, the good and the bad. And yes. that's the way God operates. He gives you the good news and the bad news. The bad news is you're a sinner, you're destined for hell. But the good news is the gospel message, Christ died for our sins. Sure. If you just trust in him, he's the savior you'll be saved. And the bad news is, and this is hard for us to get, the world is a fallen world. Yeah. Right. There is no hope in the world. Right. Uh, religions of the world can't save you. The governments of the world 
aren't going to save you. They don't want to save you. They want to take your your wallet from you. Uh, there, there's no hope in the world. And if you live in this present, confused, broken, Paul will even call it evil world, yes. you're going to be without God and without hope. So I've got to tell you that, Ben, and that is a hard thing to swallow, particularly if you grew up in a nation like where Paul is, it's Rome. Rome is a great empire. Yeah. They're thinking, wait a second. Yeah, there's fallen, broken places over in, in Africa and other unexplored places. But look what we've done. We've built these great cities. We've built these great roads. We've built this great army, great ships. What do you mean? I mean, we're wonderful. Look at our glory. Right. And he's saying, no, there, there is no hope. The bad news is Rome can't save you. Well, we have great priests and great religions. The religions of Rome can't save you. That's why I'm testifying to you, Paul is saying. I want to declare to you the counsel of God. And the bad news is Rome isn't going to save you. I'm a centurion in the Roman army. I've got a pension. I'm taken care of for life. Yes, for this life. What about the next life? Right. It's the next life. God wants to give you eternal life. You have a soul that needs to be saved. Amen. I'm going to give you the whole counsel, Paul says. Amen. And I think uh, it's, again, it's interesting in the first verse, 20 or the first half, wherefore I take record to this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I mean, what is he saying there? He's referencing back to Acts 18, yes. where, you know, he's in the synagogues and he's right, verse 4, 18, 4, he says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. In verse 6, he says, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. Amen. Here he is preaching Christ. He's yes. preaching the Lord Jesus Christ that salvation is only through him, that it's only through the blood of Christ. So in 20, he's declaring himself clean of clean of their blood and clear clear from the, the their blood because he's already preached to them. And that's what we can do. Amen. We can go out and we can preach the gospel to them, to a lost world, to a world that is in darkness. And we can bring the light of the great glorious gospel to people who need it and you know we can preach it once we can preach it twice but then they're on their own we don't have to feel a burden like we have to keep going back to the same people and Amen. preaching to them over and over again because i know we could feel that burden for our own families because i mean there's many of us i'm sure sitting at this table who have family members that we love dearly and we would lay our life down for them Amen. and we we would just just so that they can go to heaven we would give our own life but it's you know they have to come on their own to claim to um one by give one their life for one salvation. by one to right to give uh, repentance toward God and put their faith in Jesus Christ you know Amen. And and that's their own responsibility. That burden is no longer upon us. And that's kind of what Paul is saying there as and, well. And that you were saying earlier about Paul that um, he grew up a religious man. Yep. He grew up at the temple. He probably heard Jesus preach at the temple. He saw Stephen when he preached. He, he heard a lot of things. He also studied the Old Testament and the yep. prophets were given. And Jesus said, God gave the prophets and they testify of me and of my work. And Amen. one of the prophets had said, was told by God back in Ezekiel chapter three, uh, son of man, you're my prophet. I have made thee a watchman. Hear the word at my mouth and go give warning 
from me. When I tell a wicked man, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way. Verse 18, Acts 3.18. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand, because you didn't preach to him. But if thou warn the wicked, Amen. and then he turn not from his wickedness or from his wicked ways, He'll die in his sin and his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Your blood, you're clear from his blood at this point. And that's what Paul's thinking about. Yep. My job is to testify and to give a message to people. I've come to bring the truth. If I, if I can just say this, when he was testifying and he's going in the synagogue and he's telling these Jews and these Greeks of yes. his day, yes, those people were probably more righteous than the typical American today. They okay, probably, sure. They probably were, you know, trying to please God and trying to follow the law. Okay. And they knew the law. They actually read the scrolls, that kind of thing. It reminds me of something Paul says later in Romans chapter 3 yep. in verse 19, because all religions, whether you're a Jew in the synagogue back in his day or whether you're a Roman Catholic or anything today, in Romans 3.19, the Bible says, now we know what that what things soever the law saith, meaning like you're trying to be good, following God's law, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or saved in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But Paul says, this is Paul writing this. He says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And it's the righteousness of God. Sure. That's what we need. Yeah, God wants to confer the righteousness of his son upon us. And, and Jesus will give us that robe of righteousness, but only if we turn to God and put our faith in Jesus and Jesus' hand, it's reaching out to give it to us. Sadly, many people will not receive that gift. That's right. And it is a gift. It's and a that's gift. what Paul's saying. Amen. And he's saying, and I've declared to you the counsel of God. I want you to hear this. Verse 28. Verse so he 28. Continues. He says, yeah. take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. So he's talking about God in verse 27. Yep. He mentions the church of God in verse 28, and he ends it with that he purchased with his own blood. That was God's blood on the cross. That Jesus Christ then was the God man. Yeah, he's fully God, fully man. Yes. Both God and man. So you and I, even if we had a loved one, Michael, you were talking about having a loved one in our family. Yep. And we want them to be saved. And and of course I know that I'm saved and Michael, you know, you're Amen. saved and yes, Mark, you know, you're saved. That's right. And sometimes you think, Lord, I'll give my soul for them. I'll give my life, but we can't, we can't. give our life for them. Right. It's our blood in us. It's human blood, but God purchased the church and the believers in the church with his own blood. It's Amen. eternal blood. That's the only thing that can pay for sin eternally is the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross. It was shed to pay for the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth, the Bible says, from all sin. Amen. And so that's what he's telling them. Take heed. Take heed. You make sure you tell these people these things. You are an overseer of the church. He said the word feed the church. What do you think he meant there? Have uh, a soup dinner? Have a, a what? A, spiritual food. Give them the word of God. Man I'm, shall not live by bread alone. 
but but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Feed them my word. Yes. Amen. Okay. And every Amen. word is pure. Amen. Amen. It's a, it is a shield unto them that put their trust in it. Amen. And, and you know, that just flies right over most people's heads. <laughs> right. But you know, there, there's physical food. Yeah. And there's spiritual food. That's right. And right in the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, daily, not weekly. Not monthly. That's right. Give us this day our daily bread. I eat every day. I don't know about you guys, but I eat every day, physical. But you got to eat every day spiritual. You need it. I, you know, I want to, my old job before I did this, I was a medical doctor. And I remember when I was studying in medical school and learning the human body, it, an amazing thing that God gave us. The human body is amazingly put together. Yes. It has all kinds of interactive organ systems that communicate with each other, that do things, the nervous system, the endocrine system, the cardiovascular system, uh, the respiratory. I mean, all these things that are working uh, together. And I realized, and I was learning the more I was studying uh, biochemistry and uh, anatomy and physiology, that food is very important to people. Yes. That and I kind of learned now they didn't want to push this too much in medical school. So I took some extra courses. You were allowed as a doctor to take electives. I took elective courses in nutrition and biochemistry. And I learned that an organism basically is what it eats. You are what you eat. Right. And I, you know, I've tried to tell patients because a lot of sick people and I look at them and um, they're overweight they eating bad things. Suffering. And after a while, this puts a burden on the organ systems in their body. Yeah. And, and I would tell them if, if we could just clean up and they don't want to do it. But that's only the physical body with physical food. God's saying you have a soul and a spirit and you need spiritual food. Amen. And you want to feed the church of God with his words. And the sad thing is our spiritual nutrition today doesn't come from God's book it doesn't even come from other books. It mostly comes from television, movies, cell right. phones. I mean, we're feeding things into our soul and our spirit that are leading to a dis-ease in our soul and our spirit. Yes. A lot of the things that we see today, the symptoms we see, the depression, the anxiety, the neuroses, the fears. I, the can, give, I can give you one quick Go example. Yeah. I, I run into people all the time. I must attract them like a magnet. I don't know what it is, but... People say to me, I'm very spiritual. And I'm like, well, well, tell me about that. And well, I watched this online and I listened to that online and I, I, I followed all this stuff online and I could, I am very spiritual. And I'm like, well, what about the Bible? What about reading God's word? Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes. And they're not talking about that. No. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Well, you know, back in those times, we were talking 2,000 years ago, bread was a lot different than the bread that we have today. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And they Not had the, the 12 essential, you know, minerals and vitamins that it needed and the essential amino acids that were heart healthy. They're healthy, yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, after that was said to the disciples that he was teaching, Jesus says in John chapter 6, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and that bread I will give is my flesh. And he goes on to tell what that is. It, it's the word of God. Yes. Sure. Which, which is... Testifies so, about him. It, it testifies of him. So not only is this the physical bread back then that he was talking about, give us this day our daily bread... Christ, we need him as our daily bread yes. every day. Yes. And Christ is the word in, in John, you know, which came and dwelt among us in John chapter one. 
And, and Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, he's the truth. Well, God's word is the truth. Well, in John 17, 17, I think it yep. is, Jesus says, Father, sanctify. As he's praying for the disciples, he says, Father, sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. Well, Amen. hang on a second. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So yep. he is the truth. Yes. God's word is the truth. And he said, I'm the word. He said, sanctify them in the word. Well, in John 1, Jesus is, is the capital the word. W yeah. word. Yes. So yes. there you go. Sure. You got to be so in God's on word Christ. daily. You but know, you're, the person you were talking to said, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual. And and said, you know, I go to Barnes and Noble or I look at this or I watch this. Yeah. Okay. So what the counsel of God, because Paul did say, give them all the counsel of God. Amen. Declare, well, okay, in the counsel of God, we learned there are good spirits. And there are bad spirits. Yes. I was thinking when I was a kid, there was that uh, movie, The Wizard of Oz. And Dorothy lands in Oz. And and are you a good witch or a bad witch? Okay, exactly. There are good spirits and bad spirits. And God's word is given by the good spirit. Jesus told the young man, God is good. Yes. That's, That's all he is. He gives the good, healthy spirit of God, the good words of God. But there are other spirits out there giving bad spiritual words to people people are feeding on them and it's wounding them it's hurting them it's making them sick and as a doctor one of the things you know we used to worry about there was a point okay i'll give you an example when i worked at roswell park you know the patient comes and and our hope always was to diagnose whatever the cancer was early so we could say look we caught it early it's only stage one but there became a point where it was stage four, where we could just look and, you know, very sadly say there's, there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. No more surgery is going to help. No more radiation, no more chemo. It's, it's terminal. And I'm afraid that with a lot of these spirits, it gets to the point over decades and decades of the wrong thing. It's almost terminal. These souls are now, they're going to die in their sin. God doesn't want that to no. happen. Mm-hmm. But it's important. We are what we eat. We are what we eat. And and the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's right. And he's pure. He's holy. That's the thing about God. He's he's good. Everything about him is good. And there's so much in this world today that's dark. Um, I'll just say this real quick, that if you back up in America 100 years, 150 years ago, you think about the pioneers who traveled out west. They weren't watching the internet. They weren't watching television <laughs> no. and movies. But they couldn't get cable them, out there. Lots of them in their, yeah. in their wagons had a Bible. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. And so they had a common union among some of them, not yes. everyone, but more so in those days in America. And America was strong and healthy back then when people ate good bread and had good spiritual bread. Yeah. And and a lot of the, the um, founding fathers, they were some were conservative, some were more Democrat. And they had the commonality among them, and it was the word of God. Yes. You, so we, you can go back and see Thomas Jefferson. He wasn't a conservative, nor was he a Christian, but he would quote from the word of God. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's, yeah. what it made, that's what made our nation strong at one time. That's right. And, you know, Pat, I just want to go on what uh, Brother Pat, or Brother Mike was saying. He's, he was talking about there's different spirits. There's good spirits and there's bad spirits. Yes. Well, the word yeah. of God, if you're eating daily from your daily bread, it'll show you that in 1 John chapter 4, verse yep. 1, good. It's, he's, he writes and says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Of God. 
Yeah. Because many false prophets are gone into the world. Yep. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. And this is how you can know that it's the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Yeah, there you That's go. how you know if it's a good spirit. And if it's of the capital S, the Spirit of God. And every spirit, verse 3, that confesses not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Anything that counters what the Bible says about Christ is the spirit of Antichrist. Sure. That's what the devil does. He is a counterfeit Christ. And he does this in religion. Yes. That's right. That's, I mean, it would be one thing if he just do it out at the universities or in government halls, but he comes into the church. And Mayor Paul's going to warn about this in verse, uh, what is it, uh, 30. Yep. He's going to say, I'm worried of your own selves. Religious men are going to arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. A perverse form of New Testament religion. Paul knew this because there was a perverse form of Old Testament religion. And they fought with Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They weren't pure Old Testament. They were perverse Old Testament fighting with the Messiah. Well, perverse is changing a verse. And, <laughs> okay. and, and, you know, Mike was just mentioning about 1 John 4, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Well, why don't you check a modern Bible on that verse and see if it's the same? It's, it's not. Right. It'll say has come in the flesh. Uh -huh. Well, why would you pervert that verse? Or you can check your new Bibles and it'll say that... Um, he had come by a maiden and not by a virgin. Okay, right. What That's about right. what Isaiah seven fourteen says? Yes, that he would behold a virgin will conceive. That's yes, right. That's yeah. right. So you need God's pure word, pure light. It's a King James Bible in English, Amen. and God has other pure Bibles in other languages around the world. But here in Acts twenty twenty nine, he warns against grievous wolves from the outside. He warns against men arising and speaking perverse things from the inside. Yes. And he says in verse 34, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He cares about them. He's warning them. He's saying, watch out. And that reminds me, in, in in the Bible, it talks about what is the qualifications of a pastor or a yeah. bishop yep. and a husband or one wife. But Amen. the second is to be vigilant. Yes. That means to watch out. He has to be someone who's able to warn the flock. Look out mm -hmm. for this dang danger. And this is exactly what he's doing right here. He says, watch out. You don't want to follow after people speaking perverse things. Don't. Waste your time. Don't hurt yourself reading a modern Bible. It's bad spiritual nutrition. Sure. And the important things are removed. We could go on and on for hours and hours about right. that. And it's like, so he said, watch out. Um, uh, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you and not sparing the flock. Well, how does he know that? Because Christ warned about it too in John 10. Jesus says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth life for the sheep. So he would lay down his own life yes. for the sheep. These men, wolves, don't do that. They sacrifice <laughs> They'll devour the sheep. The sheep. Yes. They'll yep. devour the yeah. sheep. And if trouble comes to the sheep or to the pen, they'll leave the pen yeah, and let the sheep flee. get devoured. Yeah, yeah, yes. And in verse 12, he says, but he that is a hireling, that's a wolf, yeah. and not a shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, another wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. So Paul is warning of the same thing that Christ's warning of. You can't tell me that Paul didn't hear Christ preaching that. Oh, back sure. In the oh, day. I'm yeah. sure he did. There's no right. doubt about it. I'm right. sure he did. Right. And then after the warning in verse 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace 
which is able to build you up yeah. and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Yeah. And he, he's, he's commending you to God and to his word. That word is able to build you up. Yes. You know, they used to have old Wheaties commercials about yeah, how you can get strong by eating Wheaties. The breakfast right? of champions. Breakfast of champions. There's the Bible. Yeah. That's the breakfast that, of champions. That's, right. that's it. There yeah. it is. Amen. Yeah. It builds you up. It equips you. It reminds me of uh, 1 Corinthians 14.3 about that we ought to uh, build up, strengthen, yep. and uh, to equip, yep. and equip. to comfort. Yeah. And so this is similar to that. You know, able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Sure. Oh, yeah. And he'll define uh, sanctified a couple books over in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Uh, what does sanctified mean? It's a big word. Uh, sanctification. Uh, Ficatio is to make something. So if I have magnification, I make something larger. Uh, sancta is holy. Fication, to make something holy. Well, how do you get me made holy? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul uh, I'm writing to verse two, the church of God, which is at Corinth, and I'm writing to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Amen. When you allow yourself to become part of the body of Jesus Christ through faith, you are now called to be a saint. You're someone who has called upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what he says in the verse to the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, them that are called to be saints with all, that in every place, Buffalo, Florida, California, Africa, that call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, that makes you set apart in God's eyes. God looks down on this planet and he sees those that are sanctified, they're in the fold of his son, where his son is now their shepherd, and they are his sheep. And then he sees those who are not part of that fold. They're goats. Maybe they're wolves. Maybe they're, call some of them pigs or swines. I mean, different types of animals, but they're not sheep in Jesus's fold. They're not sanctified. And the word of God's grace is able to give you the inheritance, make you sanctified, and then build you up. Amen. What a, Amen. What a great teaching he has. Here. You, you could get confused. Somebody could get confused on that verse and think, well, I'm sanctified by being good and doing good and good works and all that. But you Use the Bible. There it is. To define it. First Corinthians one, verse two. Yeah, the Bible will define itself. Amen. Amen. Verse 33, Paul says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. No 800 numbers for Paul. He didn't have, you know, call this number. <laughs> okay. Good for him. There you go. Because <laughs> That's kind of happening today. Yeah. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Yeah. So he, he worked. He, yeah, he was a he tent, tent maker. maker. He said, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. He says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Those are, those are words are read. So this yeah. one little verse there, he quotes Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, I mean, my natural man isn't quite getting that. Right, right. But God is a giver. Yes. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of eternal life. God so loved the world, he gave his son. And it's more blessed for us to give someone the gospel 
than to try and receive money from them. I think that's what Paul might be trying to say here. Yeah, and It's Je- not so much the money, it's you're giving them the ministry of the gospel. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and yeah. that you might have it more abundantly. He came to give. Yeah, He yeah. didn't come to receive worship. He actually served. Yes. He served his disciples. And, you know, in uh, uh, John, where is it? John 10, Jesus, again, I, uh, from that one verse I read, he said, you watch out for the hireling. The hireling, they're in it for the money. They're, yeah. They're yeah. in it for the money. And to Paul's, them, it's more blessed to receive than give. Yeah. That's <laughs> they right. They got it backwards. Right. And Paul says, I didn't come to take from yeah. you. I didn't yeah. come to receive. Well, Jesus gave it all. That's and right. he said, come follow me. Yes. And so his example is, in, in general, I mean, we didn't see his whole lifetime in the scriptures. We saw his ministry and a tiny bit of his childhood. But I'm sure he was very giving because that's God's spirit. Now I'm gonna. I'm, I've got a minute left, so I'm gonna take you back to the first sermon Jesus Christ ever preached. It was in Luke chapter four. Okay, and in Luke chapter four, I was noticing this. It's only uh, two verses in Luke chapter four. Uh, Jesus opened the book. He found the place, and then he began preaching in verse eighteen, Luke four eighteen, and he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me." Listen, to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, Amen. to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. It closes it. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I mean, the thing Jesus was doing was preaching. He was bringing forth a message. And the chapter ends, the same chapter, verse uh, 43, uh, is friends were coming to him please please hang around here do for my miracles verse 43 and he said to them i must preach the kingdom of god to the other cities also for therefore am i sent and the closes of verse 44 and he preached in the synagogues of galilee and Amen. on the streets i mean preaching that's what we need to give out that's right is this gospel message that's, right. that's the the need of every soul in this world, they're troubled, they're confused, and without even realizing it, they're trapped in the bondage of sin and they need to be set free, just like the Jews in Exodus. And God sent Jesus to be the lamb to deliver them. Amen. And you know, and that's what Paul did in First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.18. Yes. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them Amen. that perish foolishness, but unto us, us which are saved. It is the, the power, power of God. Of God. Amen. 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 And thank you for listening to us. We appreciate you coming with us every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. right here on this station. Uh, join us next week again. And until we meet, do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK.